Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 322. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we're going to talk about is active or passive management better? And I'm going to share with you an article I found that is pointing out active management currently is outperforming passive management. We'll talk about is that a long-term trend, a short-term trend, and what do you do about it? But first, hit the subscribe button so that you are updated as soon as I have new podcasts posted. And this episode is brought to you by Audible. It's the way I read more books and stay ahead of the curve. Audible is, of course, the easiest way to read books because all you have to do is just listen, like you are right now. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, and your first audiobook is free. Just visit audibletrial.com forward slash be wealthy and smart. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com forward slash be wealthy and smart. Well, this article comes to us from our friends at CNBC. It was written by David Gilreath. And the article is called The Tide Has Turned, Active Outpacing Passive Investing. And it says this. In the perennial race between active and passive investment management, there are signs of a shift. After several years of bringing up the rear, active performance has outpaced passive so far in 2017. Various factors suggest that it could stay out front for a few years. This year has been the best for active fund performance since the bull market began, as it has bested passive more than half the time. About 54% of active managers have beaten their benchmarks overall so far in 2017. About 60% did so in July. Meanwhile, though long-depressed inflows into active funds have shown new life recently, they had their best week in 30 months in July, taking in $3.5 billion, money keeps gushing into exchange-traded funds. Vanguard investors in index funds and ETFs now own nearly 5% of the S&P 500. Real dominance by active management would be marked by a reversal of this tide. This won't happen, of course, until after active management has shown a sustained performance advantage. Various considerations suggest the potential for this, including past trends. Historically, active management's comebacks have been multi-year rather than single-year. Though passive has reigned supreme over the past six years, active won the race for six years in the 1990s and from 2001 to 2011. Just as passive management has done best in up markets, active's potential for superior performance tends to be higher in difficult markets. Thus, active did well in the difficult market of the mid-1990s, and passive took the lead during the tech boom late in that decade. Today's narrow bull market. 
When the bull's starting point is pegged to the ascent that followed the financial crisis of 2008, the current bull market is now nine years old, the longest since World War II, though the argument could be made that this bull is actually of shorter duration because the market didn't hit a new high until 2013. Regardless, those anticipating a new market cycle are more likely to be gratified with each passing month as the price-to-earnings ratio of dominant names have risen to ethereal heights. This market has a weakness that isn't acknowledged widely enough. It's being driven by six large-cap stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and Johnson & Johnson, what this author is calling the big six. When the market has gone up in the past couple years, much of the gain has been because one or more of these stocks has appreciated. As of early September year-to-date, all of the stocks have had robust double-digit gains, with Facebook shares appreciating nearly 48% and Apple's about 37%. If these few bulls stop running and the herd doesn't find new leaders, this result could be an ensuing difficult market, the kind where active managers do best. Increasing Opportunities for Contrarian Managers With huge investment from index funds and ETFs, the big six have amassed a collective market capitalization of $3.4 trillion, with a T, greater than the total value of the bottom 1,115 stocks in the S&P 1500, the lower large-cap companies. If the big six falter, money pouring into them will presumably find other places to go. But even if this happens, empowering the bull market to continue, passive management's fixation on the S&P 500 will continue to provide increased opportunities for active managers seeking value opportunities among lower large-cap companies, and some of these 1,115 orphans are fairly attractive. Value indexes are flat, keeping the share prices of these stocks low. The market will be far different if value managers begin to shine by putting points on the board with lower large cap stocks and with mid and small cap names where there may be even greater value opportunities rekindling the allure for active management in general. To the value minded, the huge inflows into passive vehicles create opportunity for the Graham and Dodd set, Warren Buffett and his ilk who are willing to wait for good returns after buying cheap. The aversion to settling for average. In providing the returns of the overall market, passive management provides average performance, though a nice average in upward markets. In the Indy 500, this would mean a car finishing 11th out of 33 every year, curiously getting more prominent headlines because its owners spent less than those of the top placing cars. Sure, the name of the game is net returns, but finishing higher is the primary goal of many investors. A key reason that active management won't go away is that these investors are willing to spend more to seek better than average performance, and if they choose the sharpest managers, they reason, they can get good gains net of costs. Underestimation of the market risks of ETFs. These investments are widely touted as superior passive funds because, unlike index funds, investors don't have to wait until the end of the trading day to buy or sell them. This leads to the assumption that ETFs' intraday trading risks aren't any greater than those for stocks. But this assumption is faulty, as many passive investors painfully learned in the flash crash of August 24th of 2015. On that day, amid concerns about China, extreme volatility struck blue chips, triggering more than 1,200 automatic halts to trading. 
This had a dunning effect on pricing of many ETFs, which typically trade in line with their net asset values, but not that day. At one point, some ETFs lost up to 40% of their value. This is an object lesson on what happens when too many investors try to pile out or in the door at the same time. Some get trampled. The more crowded that ETFs get, the more inclined some well-informed, risk-averse investors might be to shift money into active funds. These points hardly support an argument for passive investors to switch their entire portfolios to active management. Indeed, a dual-active, passive strategy can be a smart way to get the best of both worlds. Nevertheless, these considerations, along with the resurgence of active performance this year, might serve as strategic wake-up call for some passive investors as money continues to roar into ETFs. End of article. Well, this was a really interesting article I wanted to bring to you because we talk a lot about ETFs and ETF investing. I thought this article did a good job of pointing out some of the downside of ETFs, such as the flash crash and the difficulty of settling trades quickly in an ETF, but also the fact that there tends to be reversion to the mean. That means if one group of stocks tends to do well for a period of time, it doesn't last forever. It ends at some point and then the opposite fund will do well. So in this case, if ETFs have been outperforming for many years, it's likely that active management or managers who don't just buy indexes, but are stock picking and are trying to outperform the indexes, but are a little bit more expensive, will come back into vogue. If those active managers are able to get good performance and outperform the indexes, surely people will pay up for them and are happy to pay another half a percent or something minimal to gain two to three or four percent extra return. But if they don't provide the extra performance, nobody wants to pay extra for people that aren't performing. So the key is the active managers have to outperform the indexes and show superior performance. If they can't be superior stock pickers and get you superior returns, it's really not worth paying up for. But there are managers out there that have a track record of outperforming indexes, and it's worth noting that they're, they're out there. It's also worth noting that if everybody's piling into just large caps, maybe there's opportunity in small caps, mid caps, and international, like we've seen this year. We've seen small caps really perform well. We've also seen emerging markets perform very well, mainly because of the declining dollar. But nonetheless, it's important for you to have diversification and have a broad asset class configuration so that you don't have all your eggs in just one asset class like the S&P 500, which is a mistake I often see investors make. So you want to have some in large cap, some in mid cap, some in small cap. Those are large companies, medium sized companies and small companies. You want to have some international and emerging markets, maybe a little bit in some short term bond funds and then some sector funds that you can pepper in there as well, like real estate or healthcare or some other sector funds like precious metals. Your asset allocation is what's really going to give you your performance numbers over time. So you want to pay attention that you have all your asset classes covered and you're not skipping asset classes. 
that's a key to getting maximum investment results is covering all the bases. So it's interesting to note that active management is outperforming indexes this year. It remains to be seen whether this is a longer term trend or whether whether this is just a short term anomaly, but it's an interesting one to watch and one that you can bet I'll be keeping my eye on for you. Hey, have you heard about our summer giveaway? Well, it's almost over. We have one week left and through the end of September, you could win my Wealthy Mindset Blueprint audio course valued at $197, which goes through how to think like millionaires before you become a millionaire, or my Wealth Journal, where you learn the six steps to wealth and the Wealth Mini course valued at $67. All you need to do is leave a review on Be Wealthy and Smart on iTunes if you have an iPhone, or on Stitcher.com if you have an Android. Connect with me on social media at Facebook, dot com forward slash Linda P. Jones fan page and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Linda P. Jones and then send me an email and let me know you did it at lpjhome at gmail.com. All names will be entered into a hat and the drawing will be done in early October for winners. If you're looking to get to financial freedom sooner, get my 11 quick financial tips to boost your wealth. There are 11 quick things anyone can do to get your net worth growing in the right direction. That's at lindapjones.com. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.